Good morning. Good morning. Good to have Richard and Karen back. Yeah. Good to gather this morning. Yes, right? Sometimes you have to say it in faith. It's okay. It's okay to do that. I was thinking this morning that uh, the Lord uh, says that He inhabits the praises of His people. And um, I don't think it just means our worship services. I think it means our, it means that, but also just our honoring of him because we recognize his goodness in our midst. And there's one thing that we can be sure of is that he has been good. Um, going over stuff last night in the budget meeting, you realize how much God has covered us and protected us and given to us literally, financially, um, in the middle of Rinky Town in Alaska, right? He's made a tremendous provision for his people. And uh, in a conversation yesterday with Ben, um, talking about different stuff, but one thing that came up is we really don't know why this blessing keeps coming. And God just seems to keep pouring. And um, kind of scary sometimes. But at the same time, we should be thankful because he does know how to provide for his children. And he knows how to take care of them. And there's a lot more than finances. But uh, that's one thing that we can be thankful for. And when, when you are in a mode of honoring him, God does cover his children. He does look after them and take care for them. So we can be uh, at least thankful for that today, that we do have a God that is uh, looking after you and your well-being. And uh, he knows how to take care of us. Amen. 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 Lord, we thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your hand upon us, Lord. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you, Lord, for your desire to uh, bring us through, Lord, and to uh, complete the work that you're doing in our lives, Lord. We ask you that you would gather us this morning, that your spirit would meet us, Lord. We ask that our hearts will be open to what you have for us today, Lord. We gather in your name. Amen. Go ahead and gather. I will sing to
on Wednesday and the period you know, such an anointing upon it and I thought it really ministered to all of us so I thought we could sing it this morning.
song here. Hopefully you won't fall asleep. I've had uh, two short nights. Um, I'm sure others are uh, here <clears throat> that struggle with sleep at times also. Lord, thank you for this gathering. Look to you, Lord, for the anointing to sustain us here. In Jesus' name. Um, this word deals with <clears throat> what is not seen. As if they've had a burden um, for some time, you know, and it just, you know, you, you get an impression about something and then over time or over a matter of days that something changes and something is added to it. Something was just added right now, which I got to write down so I don't forget it. Um, about the Lord tries the sons of men with his eyelids. And um, let's see, that's, that's Psalm 11, 4. I'll just tell you what I got. That means, you know, look, no, I've always felt like that has to do with, and it does, um, that though he, it looks like times like he doesn't see, like he's sleeping, he doesn't miss anything. He observes it all and he deals out rightly. Um, even though it appears like, you know, his, his eyes, does he see this? Does he know what's going on? Is he aware of my situation? Yeah, is he sleeping at the wheel? But what came to me in this, and it ties in with what I, what I felt like, um, for us to take, that he, that he makes his judgments not based on what is visible, what is seen. And the need for us, where we are presently, and the way God is dealing with us, to take care to not pass our judgments based on what we see. It's like, you get that like to, to, to make an effort to close your eyes, shut out your vision momentarily, so that you can accurately see and appraise the situation. Right? Does that make sense? That just came to me at worship. So you can take it or leave it there. Because um, I feel like, obviously, as a people, we're highly, we're a visual people. Um, and really um, influenced by what we see. And you know that the power of what you see when you get an image uh, that good one or bad one but the bad ones sometimes come back to haunt like it's you, you know the power of what you see when you cannot get something out of your mind something you've seen like that makes sense um, but the power here's the burden I have I guess the power of what is seen and the influence the way we're influenced must uh, surrender uh, to what is not seen. That we allow ourselves to, to come to the place where we are not influenced, we are not moved on the basis of what is seen. Because so, so frequently what is seen, um, what the enemy throws our, in our vision is not good, like it's just hopeless. 
Like it's just how do you get there from here? Like I, from what I see now, what appears to be obvious, this is where the rubber meets the road. There's no way to get there. And, and there is a provision. I am convinced and we are that God's got us. But he's raising us up to where we are as a people are not influenced uh, so much by what it, what things, the way things appear. Think about that now. What do you, what's weighing on you and how much of that is, is a result of facts or what seems obvious, right? Um, but we really have to come to the place where we, we get our direction. We get our direction. I think Bill said this and I wrote it down. We get our direction from the unseen. As sons, that's where we're headed, where we take our our input from the unseen realm, and we're sustained by that. We had a conversation with uh, I think it was Gabe was telling about must have been Joe Latour, but it caught my attention too. You write things down that catch your attention, like if you don't, sometimes you get an impression it's just there, and if you don't record it or make an impression of it, like it's just gone. Like, oh, that was so clear, and where'd it go? But it had to do with the virtuous woman. And it says, she's like merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. Right? She bringeth her food. Read it. The virtuous woman bringeth her food from afar. In other words, she outsources. I'm going to talk a moment about outsourcing. She outsources her sustenance. That afar means, right? It means from above She's nourished from things above. She goes to a different place to get her, her sustenance, right? It means remoteness. That is a distant place, a far off country. And she, she draws her nourishment from a resource rich country that is not obvious to the eye. You know, and that's pretty basic. Like what? What do you, what are you and I feeding on? So I wasn't, maybe uh, I'll try to make this brief, but, <laughs> and not, not so political, I guess. Everything all right here? Yeah, you don't want to miss this next line. <laughs> but when I read that, the, what came to me really was that she does outsource uh, her food source. It, it doesn't come from what is appears, right? She's feeding on something else, another realm. Her, she's sourced in something that's above what is natural. That's where we're headed. I'm sure there's a lot of things along the way that, that can move us and, and you can go a long way with something that is just it's okay, but it's not really going to do it. Think about it. You know, the things that you've tried or things that you've bought, maybe, and you, you think it's, it's going to do it, and ultimately, yeah, just, it's not, it doesn't sustain, it's not there. Once again, I've put my efforts and my initiative in something that, that doesn't really feed me. But outsourcing, by definition, is to obtain goods or services from an outside or foreign supplier especially in a place 
in place of an internal source. In other words, it takes the place of an internal source. And, and that's something inside of me. You know, how many of us are self-sourced, right? We, we, we are moved by what really originates from within me. That's what I'm getting at, right? We, we've heard this line over and over. But her source came from another country. And when I, when I read this, it was a few weeks back. Actually, it was right maybe the week before the trip. And um, that's why it caught my attention. Because the U.S., it says, this was back in November. I'll read this. Basically outsourced. They, there was a, a conference, right? And, and basically, the U.S. outsourced its energy supply with a pact it made with China. Anybody remember this? It was like th three or four weeks back. Uh, to accelerate the substitution for coal, oil, and gas generation with green energy sources. In other words, it, which green energy sources, wind, solar, and I just read recently where, where a lot of those uh, are driven by, and paid for you know, it's promoted this green energy to substitute and replace uh, resources in the ground. And they're funded by our tax dollars. Wind and solar would not really do it without our tax dollars. I'm getting a little off, so I'm gonna bring it back. I saw Trump on TV and he was, he was promoting, um, he's, gonna build, he's gonna build the wall and he's gonna drill, drill, drill. Anyway, but, but you can see why it, for oil, like, we're bringing it back to America. We're gonna make America great. Anyway, but, but my, my point in all this, this, this was that just in the natural. And it got me thinking like, gee, that, that really is sad. That, that, Cause China already controls all the, the they stand to benefit the most by US adopting energy sources that are, are green energy tech. Cause they, they control that already. Anyway. You can ask me more about that later. But think about where do your resources come from? Um, are, are, are they self-sourced? And, and I would say self-sourced mean before, before we even pause, we say, I, we can at times say, I got this. Like, you and I have to really make an effort to catch ourselves in midstream before saying, I can figure this out or I need to, I need to do something. Because it's in your power, it's in my power. And that's when there is a need to give place to tap a resource from another realm. It's not obvious. And I really believe here in a way, God's resources are untapped. His vast supply are still yet to be tapped. If you if you follow what I'm saying. There, I believe there are untapped resources here in our, in, among us that we still as a people don't, they're not obvious, but when you cultivate and you sow, you see this is, you, you're built up by it. You know, like sometimes it's just a matter of talking to somebody when you're weighed down by something rather than be self-sourced try to figure it out 
you know, try to make sense of it. Because we're facing things that, that we cannot make that are over our head. I mean, I just... Most all of us in areas, there's something that we just, we can't. And don't, don't try to figure it out. That's where we need to give place to, to, to feed on what is not obvious to the eye. Sometimes it's just a matter of asking prayer. Interesting, for a number of years, um, my brother, Joe, has had this relationship with a, it not just a friendship. But it's, I, you know, and I've questioned it, and I've talked to him numerous times about it. Like, I've talked to him, right? Like, I'm telling him. And, and that hasn't really produced much fruit. But this time, he, um, I, I, basically, for the last few weeks, I've just been trying to serve. Like, just not have an opinion, though it's right there. Like, try to, try to see beyond what is obvious. And lo and behold... He sincerely asked, no one's going to send him the tape, are they? He sincerely asked what I thought about this relationship. And I just like, it really caught my attention. You know, there's, and, and I wasn't so quick to, I, I had a few things to say, but I really was a bit more reserved than what you may think. But all that said, um, back to the basics at times you know just, just tapping those reserves that God has available in the unseen is as simple as just asking somebody okay could you pray with me or because I can't see myself like I don't that's what he was saying I don't see myself in his in his own language like I can't I can't see and that's really where we are at times that's why we really need to take advantage of the resources available here presently uh, rather than just at times run by each other on our way to finding, finding our way. Anyway, this is in 2 Corinthians 4. It says, anyone know what time I started? Okay. Give me a time out, somebody, if I need it. I like this. It says, while we look, 2 Corinthians 4, if you want to turn, just read this one verse in 18. 2 Corinthians 4. While we look not at things which are seen, but at, thing, <clears throat> but at things which are not seen. Thank you. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen how many times have you heard this? The things that are not seen are eternal. And the word look, while we look not, the word look means basically to take aim. To take aim. It basically would mean that we do not take aim at the things which are seen, but at the things not seen. Like, what, you know, what are we taking aim at? You're taking deadly aim. I went out hunting for one morning with my brother, was the, my older brother. It was nice. Just saw some deer and good thing we didn't get anything because it would have made work. But he was the one that said, 
you know, remember that story? He, years ago, he saw, he took a shot at a buck and he missed it. And then he said, and then he said, I, I took deadly aim. And uh, the things that you take deadly aim at, you're going to get. It's fright and that can be frightening too. But are you, are, are you and I taking aim at the things that are not seen? In other words, I guess, I guess a way of looking at that, um, our dialogue with God, I wrote this down, <coughs> means that, that we take care not to react to, to something on the basis of what we just saw. Uh, how many of you and, and me get, get ourselves in trouble at times with people because we take aim at something that, we, that was on the surface? And I am working to hold back a moment, just to give place, to give pause, to tap the unseen resources. Because frequently, you know, I, can, I see the obvious. And, I, and I, I know what I just heard from somebody's mouth, let's say. But, but sometimes it's, it's what is not said that you and I need to pay attention to. That's what's hidden. That's what's obscured in a conversation. You and I can get into it and we just react on the basis of what, we, and we take offense. Rather than realize I gotta grow up and not take offense at anything. You take offense, it just shows it's about you. You offended me. But we get ourselves out on a limb and based on something that we just heard on the surface. And, and I'm trying, I am, now, now I know there's somebody here that may say you need some still, you still need some work on that, Richard. But I am aware of the need to listen to what is not said at times. Actually, I'm just working on trying to listen to people. You ever, you, because if you, if you cultivate that and to listen for maybe what is not being said, you may find that under the surface there's somebody that is really hurting about something. And you just got the reaction. You got, you got the force of it. And if you don't have the wherewithal to, 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 to look beyond that, you take it personal. And yes, that's where offenses come. Frequently, if you lift the hood, I'll use that language, like lift, and look a little deeper, you might you find... Somebody reacted because they were hurting. And, and, and your response back, you missed an opportunity, right, to really be able to help them. Sometimes it's okay just to let, uh, let somebody unload on you. Can you take that? You know, if you, if you look beyond what's on the surface, that's the point here, it's at the things not seen. You, you, you find strength to absorb stuff from people. No charge for that one. <sighs> Can I make it my aim, right? To, to offer myself daily. This is what Paul said. Wherefore also, 
We make it our aim, whether at home or absent, to be well-pleasing to the Lord. And this was... Uh, it's kind of hard for aiming for something that's not seen. How in the world did you do that? Now, this just came to me. I watched a little football. So... Uh, when a quarterback receiver are on the same page, and frequently the quarterback will, will, he throws the pass and he, that ball leaves his arm. This is just in the natural. Just take a little parenthesis for William's sake. I see him back there. I got to wait, keep him with me. But he, the quarterback will throw the ball long before the receiver actually makes a cut and turns in that direction. The quarterback aims for something that's not even there. Right? And that's sometimes, just a little analogy there. You like that, Dan? Is that true? Like, I mean, that's... Good, yeah. <laughs> Russell Wilson does that. Yeah, what a word. And uh, I can't remember the quarterback for the Cowboys. Keto, you know who that is? Okay, yeah. But that's what I'm talking about. Take, taking aim as something that is not there. And you, you, and you sow to that. And you stay with it. Right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting. I'm contending for something that is of another realm. I want to be sourced in something outside of myself. This was C.S. Lewis. He says, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Right? You will get neither. And the things on earth, are they're appealing, obviously, to the eye. Right? We, we know the story back in Genesis. Eve saw that the tree, she saw the tree was good for food. And pleasant to the eye. And we know what happened as a result of that. But yeah, <clears throat> I like, I do like with this, I do like seeing things come to pass also. Like seeing, nobody would mind seeing a, a visual of what God is really doing. Like a demonstration. Like, well, you know, this, gee, this is incredible what I just saw. Right, it could convince me. Right. Remember, though, the people that came out of Egypt. Right, they witnessed all those miracles. They saw. You would think, if if you saw what they saw, how would you ever doubt God going through a wilderness experience? And what happened to them? Right. They just somehow lost lost track of it. This was, a, and, I, and I thought uh, we had a, a word a while back about Gideon. You know, seeing, seeing, uh, seeing is believing, right? It sells, but it won't sustain you, right? Seeing is believing, right? You hear that line? It's, it's nice. 
But, you know, this was Gideon. And when the angel appeared, so he asked him about where are the miracles? Like, where are the miracles? Anybody, nobody here would ever bring that question up with it, with the Lord, right? Like, where, where are the things you said you were going to do? Where are they? Because all I see is, you know, darkness of mid-December, right? Basically, he wanted to see a sign. So, and so the angel showed him a sign. He sent fire to consume the offering. And it says, then Gideon perceived that it, he was an angel. If you want to look at this, this is in Judges chapter 6. You can just follow along here for a moment. Alas, O Lord, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. But what he witnessed there, it, it, did that do it for him? No. <clears throat> Next, God made a fleece and he made the, the ground wet and <laughs> he made the fleece wet and the, dry, and the ground dry. Then he made the, the ground dry and the fleece wet. And that didn't do it, right? Mm -hmm. Ultimately, this is in verse uh, 10 of chapter 7. But, but if thou, and this is a, uh, this is a significant point, at least from my perspective. But if thou fear to go down, go thou with Pura, thy servant, down to the host, and thou shalt hear what they say. We're just looking at the guy that, that challenged the angel, where are the miracles, and, and the angel did show him things that were from another source. They were visible to Gideon's eye. But it still did not give him the strength to stand and wage war. Think it would you? If you put out a fleece like that and the Lord was so clear with that fleece, then, then, you, then you challenge, well, then you, can you do the opposite and he does the opposite? That would do it. Thou shalt hear what they say and afterward thine hand shall be strengthened to go down unto the host. And simply put here, it, it wasn't the visual that made, it gave him the strength to wage war. It gave him the courage to keep going in the warfare and the battle. It was what he heard. And I want to put that out to you brother's texting me. I want to, not Ron. It's okay to ask God for a sign, but, but, but with that, realize it doesn't sustain the way when you actually hear something from the Lord and you know that God, it was from the Lord. I don't see it yet. Not, it does not yet appear, but it was clear to me. And that's what will sustain you and I. How many are in need of just like, forget seeing something, Lord, I just, I, I'll take the hearing. If you know that you heard from God, it'll get you through a lot, folks. It, it will sustain you well beyond ever having seen something. Ever, you know, there's a lot of hoopla out there and perhaps here about miracles. I'm not opposed to them. I'll take them. 
I would love a miracle right over there at that house. And I would thank God we would too. We would be grateful. And we don't know what God's doing. But above all that, I'm going to put my hope and my trust in what God is really saying and what he's spoken. Hebrews 11 says, Moses endured as seeing him. He endured. That means to stare at something who is he endured as seeing him who is invisible. That's that was Moses. He stared at what was invisible. It's not what we see that gives us endurance, but really what we don't see. And that when you hear it's faith and trust that really will carry you and I home. Um, let's see what's here. By, this is verse 7. By faith, Noah, this is Hebrews 11, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. That being warned means to utter an oracle that is divinely intimate. And, and, and it, God warned Noah of something that was divinely intimate. And Would you like God to speak to you something that is so very divinely intimate? Like just you and him know. Nobody else knows. Came from above. It's, I know it's real. I can. And you see here, he put all his strength and commitment in that. Noah did, right? In advance. Because he had, a, he had an intimate relationship, right? with God. And I think our perspective, you know, <clears throat> of God, our perspective of each other is greatly affected by relationship. So I would encourage a divine relationship. Um, um, I'll, I'll move on here. This article caught my attention. I was doing some cleaning and I came across this. And, and it had to do, it said, the headline read, the gift, the gift of sight brings blind man misery. And I, <clears throat> and here is a story, it's, based, it's not based on, it's a true story. This man lost his, his sight at the age of three. He got polio and meningitis. And at the age of six, they, his parents put him into a state institute for the deaf and blind. And he ended up studying massage. It's, it's a good story. He, he ended up studying massage therapy. You know, and, and he really become very, very well uh, at, at that trade. That's what he did when he, so in his 50s, okay, he came, <clears throat> he came across an eye surgeon who was able to give him his sight back. Yeah. You know, I'm paraphrasing here. But instead of the blessing he was expecting, seeing, um, seeing became a daunting task in his own words. He was blinded, at, became blind at the age of three. So all those years between three and 50, 
He had to rely on, he could not rely on sight. And all those other uh, senses came around. He got a lot of help from the other senses because he was unable to bank on what he could see. So then it says, in his blindness, he came to rely on his other senses so much that he, when he was able to see, he had difficulty identifying what he was seeing without feeling or smelling it. <laughs> and, and at times he just would close his eyes to black out all the images that were overwhelming him. And it's like, wow. You know, like, how, how many of us are, are still put too much reliance on what is seen. Hope you can break this down today. I think we would benefit by that. You remember whenever Samuel was, was um, sent to anoint the king, right? And um, all the sons were paraded, paraded. You know, and this was the one, that was the one, right? Yeah. And it says here, <clears throat> In 1 Samuel 16, look not, you know, you know the story, right? He thought, sure, this was the, this was the one. Tall, handsome, by the appearance of the eye. And this is, he's the one, the anointed one. Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. I think, I think there's a need to fast, folks, if you please, from what is so obvious. So in closing, just to give us something to work towards, up, up, you know, take a period of time to try to, not try, but just for God to help you and I to look at what is not seen. And I thought of, I thought of, this, of, of one another. If we can start with that, you know, if you, you take, take, a, take a day and, and try not to see each other. This is... Second Corinthians, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those that live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. That's a pretty tall order. From now on. I wonder what this place would look like if, if you and I would stop regarding one another after the flesh. What would, what would happen here? I, I suspect it's something better. I believe that's where we're headed. So I'm putting forth that challenge in conclusion here that maybe even just for the rest of this service. Somebody that's a thorn or a thistle. 
Try not to regard them after the flesh. Then you can do that, then you take the day. I can see what's obvious. I know these people. I have their number. They never change. I can never expect anything, whatever. I'm just trying to make an application for what I'm talking about here, right? Yeah, I'll read this. That means that as far, and you can guess who wrote this. That means that as far as we can see, we have not made what we are by nature the final basis of our relationships, our expectations, or of our judgments, of our appraisals, of our valuations. It does not mean that we are oblivious to one another's human nature. Men of the world have but very little minute degree of the difficulty that Christians have of getting along with one another. They seem to be able to ignore and ride over one another's difficult parts and makeup, while Christians are much more alive to that sort of thing. Would you agree with that? People out there, they just, they know how to get over each other and it doesn't seem like it. Then in our midst here, the littlest thing about somebody's flesh can just send you and I in a tailspin. Right? Not knowing one another after the flesh does not mean that all that realm will cease to exist for us. But it does mean that we shall look beyond that realm and we shall steadily seek grace and the help of the Holy Spirit to cultivate and develop a determination to look through what we are by nature to what there is of the Lord Jesus and of the Holy Spirit in one another and keep our eyes on that. Just find something of the Lord to look through. Can we do that? Yeah, basically, right? Just find some trace of goodness in somebody, right? I'll tell you when this really, when it really counts to, 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 to see each other that way. When somebody has been hurtful and they've, they, they, and they use this word rightly, they've offended, you know, um, and, and yet you and I make a choice. In spite of that, I'm not going to hold it over them. You know, any, anybody here feel like a marked man? Like, you, you, at times I felt like I've done things or said things and I just can't get out of that. I know people frame me that way. They may view me that way. And you just feel like a marked man. Or if you or I have marked anybody, take that to the Lord. Make it a practice. First, to see whatever trace it says here. I like that line. Seek for grace and help of the Holy Spirit 
that will look through what we see, what we are by nature, to, to what there is of the Lord Jesus. Look beyond what is obvious to whatever there is of the Lord in an individual, in an individual, right? Well, that's it. I just feel like um, I just feel burdened that 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 we not as a people in our relationships with each other, in our view and how we frame ourselves, right? It can be a trap. And really how we frame the Lord, that we, that we look beyond and allow ourselves to be more steadily influenced and moved by what is not seen. And, and be sourced by, from a realm Far above. Don't you want to get out of this? Like, God help me. We came back on a plane. You know, uh, when, when we flew out, there was the prep plane was pretty full. Coming back into Alaska, nobody wanted to come back here. <laughs> it was almost like we, each of us had, three, uh, had a full road or ourselves. We could lay down. You know, it's like, this. Why, do you, why do I want to come back to this place? <laughs> Nobody's coming back to Fairbanks. They're all getting out of here. Well, you can come back. You can get up above it. You can, you can be sustained in the darkest and coldest time. If you and I are sourced from above. So Lord, help us. Just want to, a very excellent message. Um, it, one way you tell that it's a, it, it comes from the Spirit of God is that there's cross in it. You know? um, but I, I wanted to underline one thing he said, and it's a wonderful point I think to teach to our kids, and that is that signs, um, though we like them, they don't impact us. And I don't mean they don't impact us in an immediate way. They do at times. Yeah. We're astonished. But they don't transform us. Yeah. Right. The only thing that really transforms, and Richard uh, mentioned this, is really a living word. That the Spirit of God speaks to our hearts. That's why this, you read in uh, Hebrews 4 that the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword and it divides. Signs don't divide. We get 
We, we would love to see signs and, 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 you know, the children of Israel walked 40 years of the wilderness. And who was it? Oh, Rachel talking about provision. And, um, you know, if you, if you look up about quail, there's three feet of quail. So I guess that's three feet maybe. What do you think? Yeah. Right about here. In every direction, a day's journey. Anybody know what a day's journey is, Nate? You know what a day's journey is? How many? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, but I didn't want to overstate. Let's go with five. I mean, that's, that's quite a provision. I, we were in our meetings yesterday. There's quite a provision. But it doesn't divide and do the dividing work that actually needs to take place here. So God help us to be open to the impact and encounter with the living word that comes by the Spirit. Because that has the capacity to divide here and transform us into a whole new Creation. So thank you, Richard. Very, very clear today. Any announcements this morning before we go? Okay. All right. For those of you who might not know, we're going to have William dismiss, but... The title of the word is not Watch More Football. <laughs> I appreciate the type and shadow, but... Okay, William, would you like to dismiss us? Yes. Thank you. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this word we just had. I ask that you help us apply it to our lives, our everyday lives, Lord. I ask you help us to seek you out today, tomorrow. Just help us all. Amen. Amen. Amen.